Stand by for the Terry Saul Show in five, roll tape, four, cue Terry, three, bring audio up, two, stand by, one, play intro. Stay tuned for the Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. Good morning, and welcome to the weekend show on Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host, along with Amanda Smith. Good morning, Amanda. How are we? Good morning. I am good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. And we have the folks from Casa here today. We have uh, Bob and Vanessa. And good morning, Vanessa. This is your first time here with us. Good morning. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Tell me a little bit about CASA. Absolutely. So let's first talk about what CASA stands for. CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. CASA of Marion County is basically a group of volunteers, and our volunteers advocate for abuse and neglected children in the foster care system in Marion County. Okay. So how do you guys get involved? Do people reach out to you, or do you find children that are recently placed into foster care? So at our website, which is casamarionor.org, you can sign up to get involved and become a volunteer. Our volunteers give about seven to ten hours a month. We train you, we work with you, we come alongside you, and we support you. And we assign you to a case involving children in foster care. And so you'll be going to court. You'll be talking to the kiddos. You'll be talking to the resource parents or foster parents. You're there to be the eyes and ears, an objective and impartial observer. And your whole point there is to really advocate for the best interests of the child. That's what we do. Okay. Okay. What is your background? Oh, thank you. So, uh... I was born and raised in Salem, Oregon, and I'm a proud uh, third-generation Salem attorney, but my roots really go deep in in this city. Uh, My grandfather, Edward Nordyke, lived and raised his family right here in Salem, Oregon, and he used the GI Bill, first in our family, served in World War II in the Pacific Engagement in the Army. He came back, went to Willamette through the GI Bill, and became the first in our family to go to college and law school. After that, all his kids went to college, and then all the grandkids went to college. His son became an attorney, and I became an attorney. So that background of public service is in my DNA. So like my grandfather, I spent much of my career at Oregon Department of Justice. I was, up until January of this year, a senior assistant attorney general. And in that capacity, I did a lot of different types of cases, but the cases that stuck with me the most were the hundreds of child abuse cases that I handled. You say hundreds. Is there that much going on? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Here I, in Marion County? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I can see Bob is nodding his head yes. Uh, sexual abuse of children is a lot more prevalent than people realize. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of stigma. And there's a lot of pressure for kids to keep quiet about it. So over 15 years of DOJ, it is no exaggeration to say that I handled hundreds of sexual abuse, physical abuse, and domestic violence cases involving children, not just in Marion County, we're statewide at Oregon DOJ. So I was doing trials in counties and courthouses all over the state that involved child abuse and other types of cases that I handled. I did rapes, robberies, murders, you name it. I even had a Ponzi scheme case based out of Eugene. Hmm. The Bernie Maddow of Eugene was basically who I was uh, 
working. And my job was to keep these folks behind bars. Yeah. Frankly, my job was all about accountability and justice, but it wasn't about hope. And at CASA, that's where we give hope to so, kids. So uh, your CASA members, if, if, you, if you have a child that's in foster care, that child, you, you could tell, wants to tell you something. How do you encourage that? How do you, do you, you become friends with them where they feel that they can talk to you? Because there's some children that probably don't want to or are afraid yes. to talk about it. Uh, absolutely. So we do have a lot of specialized training that prepares our volunteers for what those conversations can look like. We also work closely with Liberty House, which is our local child advocacy center. They address uh, be, uh, allegations of sexual assault and other things involving children. We have with us, Bob, do you want to add anything about what, what you have observed, perhaps without naming names, of course, about your training involving sexual assault and things like that involving children? Sure. Like Vanessa said, we are trained to deal with the kids and our main we are there primarily for whatever kid we're representing. Uh, I'm currently doing three siblings, uh, one of which has been sexually assaulted. We just get to be their friend, if you will, and make it so that they're comfortable with us. We are there just for them. We will always be there just for them. We don't represent their attorney. We don't represent the state. We don't represent the parents. We represent just the kid, and we advocate just for the kid. So we try and make our relationship with them comfortable enough that they will share these kind of secrets with us. And since we are a privileged party, we are also mandatory reporters. So if it hasn't come out already and it's not included in the discovery, then yeah, we have to report anything that they tell us about that. But we are there primarily for them, totally for them. And we try and make it so if they got something like that they need to share or want to share, they feel comfortable doing it. If if a, if a child, let's just, let's just play this out, if you've got a 12, 13-year-old young lady there and you could tell that she's got something on her mind and finally she talks to you about it, how quickly can you get that resolved by getting her removed from the family or what what happens? How quickly can that happen? By the time we get involved, they are usually already removed from the family. They are okay. in the care of the state in foster care. And unless the perpetrator is now their foster parent or their resource parent, as they call them now, then... Um, Does that happen often? Not as not that much. Okay. But it does happen. I right. mean, I won't right. I won't say right. nothing ever happens, but you know it can. But we got a hotline number we can call, and they will investigate that. And usually within twenty four hours, action is taken. Right. Is that, you, go ahead, Amanda. Is that difficult to work with children that have dealt with that? Is that hard not to? attach your emotions? It, it can be. That's one of the hard parts is not getting emotionally attached to the kids. Uh, I can ex- only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Do you need Kleenex over there? <laughs> is she crying already? Yep. No. Um, it's a difficult thing to navigate. Yeah. Um, and, and that is and one of the honor. side effects of being a CASA is you can get emotionally attached to these kids and then once they they get wherever their final destination is, whether it's reunified with the parents and they go back home or whether they get adopted or they age out into the system and become functioning adults, mm-hmm. it can be painful to let them go. Yeah. I mean, I've dealt with kids five, six, seven, and I still stay in touch with them and their parents because they were reunified. And um, what, what is the youngest age? The youngest age I have had was five. But there are kids in the advocates, in the 
that are that have casas who are infants, mm. m- months, days old. Really, and it may have been because they were born to a mother who was drug addicted or alcohol dependent. So they were born with that stuff, and so as soon as they were born, they became wards of the state. Vanessa, how do you find these these children? How does CASA find them? uh, So these children are in the court system. So the court will appoint a CASA volunteer. So all of these kiddos, we do not investigate allegations ourselves. That is not our purview. We are lucky to have our local law enforcement agencies and the Oregon Department of Human Services to do that. How it works is the court appoints a CASA volunteer after making a finding of abuse or neglect of a child. And then the court lets us know that they want a CASA volunteer appointed to the case. And then my team and I strategize to find the right match. We have CASA volunteers who sometimes prefer working with uh, a particular gender, uh, a particular age group. Some people want siblings, some people don't. So we try to ensure the right fit between incredible volunteers like Bob and kiddos that come to care. So we find out through the court process. And may I just say, the emotional content that I can feel in this room is very real, and that's what we at, at the CASA office deal with every day. I mean, I can tell you, it's, I still remember, uh, you know, one of the first rape cases I had, and, you know, meeting the survivor face-to-face for the first time was so hard. Uh, I'm not sure where to go with this one. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what we do is our work is hard. You look at what our our law enforcement officers conduct a lot of these forensic interviews. That's hard. Liberty House conducts a lot of forensic Mm -hmm. interviews. That's hard. What you find are you look for those stories of hope. You reach out to your peers. You reach out to your friends. We talk about it as a team. You use trauma-informed practices because you have to remember at the end of the day, this is why we're here. Mm -hmm. And so that lights a fire in my belly. That's why I do this work, and that's why I came to CASA, because at DOJ, everything was already past tense. Right. A lot of times, the kids I saw, they, were, they had already been abused for three to four years through their formative periods in their life, you know, people's innocence being taken from them forever. And so my job was to keep them locked up. That mm-hmm. was my job. And I appreciated that opportunity very much. But at CASA, we are appointed at the outset of these proceedings. So we have the opportunity to break this cycle. And we use folks like Bob and all of our incredible volunteers to be this constant support. Sometimes this is the first time they've ever had one adult in their lives who didn't go sideways on them, who is consistently there for them, who says those four little words that every kid needs to hear, I believe in you. And that is powerful. We're hardwired for connection. These kids need connection, and they need stability, and that's what CASA does. Do they have a hard time trusting CASA members? Sometimes. Bob, do you want to speak to that? I haven't really had any of them have a hard time trusting me, but it sometimes takes a little while for them to warm up. Once they realize that I'm there for them, it usually turns the table a little bit, and they are willing to be friends, if like for lack of a better term. If you have a, a child that you suspect there's something going on, do you deal with their parents 
as well? Do you have to deal with their parents, or do you do you lock up the parents? I mean, what? What's it, it varies from case to case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes one or both of the parents are absent from the whole proceeding in the first place by their own choice. Okay. Um, like the case I've got now, one of the parents is out of state and doesn't want anything to do with them, and the other one is local. Um, but I've had also one where um, mom was a single mom because dad had divorced and left and raising a kid with autism on her own, which was not easy. So it, it uh, you know, just kind of depends on the case. Right. But we're not a law enforcement agency. We're not a prosecutor's office. We don't, it's not our job to, to do any of that. We but report, you are required to report. Yes. Right. That we do. We report, but I, I just want to be clear. We report. We're not, we're not locking any folks up or anything right. like that. So what do you meet them when you meet them and, and, you know, be there for them? Is that like in a courtroom or is that in like a, a playroom at like a CASA facility? What does that look like when you meet the kids? Uh, it's varied. I've had times where I, the, my first meeting with them was at their home. Okay. I have had other times where my first meeting with them was in a visitation room at DHS. Okay. So it kind of just varies on yeah. case by case. I've never had a first meeting where it was in court. Okay. That's good. Okay. I'm sorry. It might have been a really weird question. Wow. All right, we need to uh, take a short break. When we come back more with uh, today's special guest, you're talking to the folks from CASA, and you're listening to The Weekend Show on 104.3 FM and 1220 AM. We are KSLM. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule, State Farm Insurance. We'll be back with more in just a minute. Stick around. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. You know, when it comes time to move into a new home, it's time to consider Don Lule Homes. The Lule difference is simply setting the bar for quality service in Salem. Find out today about custom-built new homes. Don Lule Homes offers open floor plans, quality craftsmanship, and over 50 years of excellent experience in new construction. Beautiful homes are coming soon. Call today and ask for Erica at 503-428-6992. Don Lule Homes. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by The Lule Group. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM, brought to you today by the Lule Group. Welcome back. You're listening to The Weekend Show on 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. We are KSLM. Terry Saul, Amanda Smith, hanging out with you. And we're talking with uh, Venice and Bob from the, the Casa House. And what's involved in training your volunteers? I mean, I can't just walk in and say, oh, hey, I want to be a volunteer. Question. You're going to say, okay, you're a volunteer. doesn't work that way, does it? No, absolutely. So uh, we have a 30-hour training period. As you can tell, we go through a lot of heavy content. Mm-hmm. We're asking our volunteers to be both physically and emotionally prepared for the nature of our work. You said physically. Well, because I mean, you're going out to the homes, you are, you know, you're putting in a lot of miles. You're okay. going to court, you're talking to the families, uh, you're meeting the kids where they are. So, yes, there are some hours on the road. Okay. So, yeah. And, yeah, so that is what I mean by that. It can be intense work. 
So we offer our training cycle four times a year, and our next training cycle starts on April 10. Oh. So coming right up, and again, if you want to go to our CASA website, it's casamarionor.org. You can click on the link to learn more about how to volunteer and sign up. The trainings are free. Once you're through that 30-hour process, you are sworn in as a court-appointed special advocate by a local judge, we, uh, and then we match you with a case. And from that point forward, we work very closely with our volunteers to make sure they have everything they need. We work with you on preparing your court reports. We have monthly case check-ins where we go over how things are going with the kiddo. Uh, but I'm sure Bob can give a little more detail from the volunteer's perspective on what that looks okay, like. Before we do that, how many, if, if, if I come in as a volunteer, how many children will I be taking care of? Just one? Or is it multiple? Is it multiple on a family? or it, One case. And one case might have one kid. It might have three siblings. It might have four siblings. It okay. might have twins. It depends on the nature of so the case. So you're getting one case at a time. Yes. Okay. We, absolutely. We don't want to overwhelm our volunteers. We give them one case. And that case might take a year. It might take a couple years. It depends because every single case is different. Every single family is different. So what we will do is we don't just randomly assign a case to you. We have a process called the case pitch where we sit down with the volunteer and we have a case in mind based on what you've expressed an interest in working with. Again, sometimes folks have an age group that they want to work with. Sometimes they want to work with siblings. Sometimes they don't. And so we focus on creating a good match. We want this to be a successful partnership. We want the kid to open up to you and feel comfortable talking to you. So we work with you to ensure that you have all of the tools, all of the materials, and all the training that you need. And, of course, you can call and check in with your CASA staff member anytime. If it goes south, if, if the, the volunteer and the child just just aren't hitting it right on the same game here, what do you do? Do you replace the volunteer then? I think you could in that circumstance. Does it happen? I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. If you've got a big personality conflict, sure, sure. it's best for the kid to get somebody they can relate with. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we check in regularly with our volunteers. We want to make sure that things are going well. And if it's not a great fit, then I would absolutely support finding a better fit, both for the volunteer and for that kiddo. I've only been at CASA since uh, January this year, so it hasn't come up for me in my short time that I have been here. But I work closely with my staff so that we have open lines of communication so that we can be prepared to respond in the event that that does arise. Okay. And so I'm what do you do down up. there? What do you do down there, Bob? You just hang around down there? What do you do? Now, I am I am an active CASA. I am currently working my fifth case. Okay. This is my second go-around. I'm coming up on my four-year anniversary this Good time around. Good for you. I did it for about a year, several years before that, and then I got hired to a full-time job and didn't have the time to dedicate to it, and they said, step back, and when you have more time, come back. So once I so retired, what, I did. What drew you back? Uh, my commitment to kids and, and trying to do what's good for them. And I just have this desire to help my community. Right. I mean, I was a volunteer firefighter for 25 years as as an EMT for most of that. So I already knew about Liberty House and mm-hmm. that because we worked with them. But yeah, the, how I got involved with this was 
Shaney Starr, the ED at that time, was out at the ballpark where I work, Volcano Stadium, manning a table. And I walked up to her and said, so what is your goal for being here? And she goes, to get Bob Bush to sign up to be a CASA. There you go. So like three innings later, I came back and said, okay, I'll do it. I'm in. (laughs) So are you guys currently looking for more volunteers? Absolutely, we are. Thank you for that question. So right now, we have 118 volunteers. And that means that we have roughly 60% of the need covered. And what I mean by that is that we have enough volunteers to represent 66% of the children in care in Marion County right now. That's not enough. It's not. You're darn right it's not enough. And I want us to be... I want us to get to at least 85%. I would like, I mean, the ultimate goal would be 100%, right? That is the ultimate goal. Um, And so I am very, very interested in finding more Bob Bushes of the world to step forward and give 7 to 10 hours a month to represent these kiddos. These are some of the most vulnerable children in the county. It's heartbreaking to know that, I mean, it's amazing that you guys are covering 66% of those, but... The remainder, it's like, who, who's there to represent them? Who's Unfortunately, there to be, no one. Yeah. Can okay, you, hold on. I'm challenging all of you guys. You're retired, not retired, work part-time. You guys, I encourage you to at least look into what it looks like to become a volunteer of CASA, especially if they have, they have their training that's four times a year and it's coming up on April 10th. I mean, I think this is a perfect opportunity to get involved, make a difference. Even if it's one child, two children— it, it would make such a big impact on their lives. It's, it would be an incredible opportunity, I think. Yeah, I actually had an associate of mine that decided to do it. And during her interview, she said, well, I figured if Bob Bush can do it, I could do it. Yeah. Is there an age limit really quick? 21 and up. Okay. Anyone 21 and up, and we will work with you. We even have a staff member who works after 5 p.m. So if you're an 8 to 5 or if you've got a day job, we will work with you. We can meet with you to do our monthly case meetings and other check-ins with you after 5 p.m. I just approved have a staff member for that specific reason. All right. We need to take a short break. When we come back, more with today's special guests. Today's show brought to you by the Lule Group. Lule's Car Connection. Don Lule Homes and Teresa Lule State Farm Insurance. More with the folks from CASA right after this. Stick around. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We are back. This is The Weekend Show, Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host along with my buddy Amanda Smith, and we're talking with the folks from CASA. Now, Vanessa, you are the executive director from CASA, but you used to be a highfalutin attorney around this joint. Uh, what uh, what made you uh, decide to go into uh, CASA from being an attorney? Well, thank you so much. So at DOJ, when I was doing the child abuse cases and trying to keep child molesters behind bars. My job was about justice and accountability, but it wasn't about hope because 
by the time I saw these cases, all of the hurt had already happened. Someone had already been taken to jail. And at that point, it was about finding consequences for what that offender had done. And while that is satisfying to see justice done, you know, every time I came back from court and I felt like I had slayed another dragon and I was patting myself on the back, there would be a stack of fresh cases waiting for me. And mm-hmm. that was that, that was hard because it felt like this endless conveyor belt of broken childhoods. Uh, I will also add that um, I have incredible colleagues at Oregon DOJ, people who are doing this work right now. I can tell you that when someone in my office had a baby, they sometimes said, can you take me off this caseload? Because for new moms, for new dads, this work was too Sometimes it's just too much. Too close, maybe? Too close. Yeah. Yeah. Too real. Too real. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Too real. I ended up getting even more of those cases as a result. So I had a steady diet. I was going to court. I had trials five to ten times a month. Wow. On child abuse cases, Jessica's law cases, uh, and murders, rapes, robberies, gang violence, you name it. And that was a steady diet. I branched out into other types of civil litigation with DOJ, but those cases haunted me. Uh, I had nightmares from those cases. Serious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, because my work involved re-examining the entire criminal case from start to finish. The police reports, the photographs, the videos, talking to the detectives, working with the uh the therapists and the experts who interview, conduct interviews of children, like the Liberty House folks, they conduct interviews of allegations of child abuse. So I would talk to those experts. I would watch the videotaped interviews of children. And I even... How'd you hold it together? Well, I became a mental health advocate. I started speaking up because like a lot of professions, uh, even though we deal with a lot of trauma, we're not supposed to talk about it. And if you talk to any law enforcement agency, it's the same thing. If you talk to surgeons, if you talk to dentists, if you talk to veterinarians, this, uh, the, tra- the secondary trauma that we experience from the nature of our work is a dirty little secret amongst all these professions. So I actually uh, use my leadership platform uh, within the legal profession to really organize a wellness movement. I became the youngest elected president of the Oregon State Bar which is a little over 19,000 lawyers and judges and other legal professionals. And I started saying how much that my work had bothered me, and it opened the floodgates. I had judges. I had law students. I had people who had left the profession. I had people telling me privately, sometimes publicly, but more often privately telling me, thank you for speaking up. I know someone who ended his life by suicide. Mm. I know someone who left the profession because of this. I know someone who has turned to drugs and alcohol to as a coping mechanism. Not a good coping mechanism, but it's, it's a coping mechanism. All the same for a lot of people. So uh, we enacted, under my leadership, I organized the first wellness summit, and it brought lawyers together from all over the state. The Nevada State Bar flew out to watch it. The Washington State Bar expressed interest. Uh, we became one of the only states in the country to have mandatory substance abuse and mental health training for lawyers. If you want to practice law here, you have to take that training once every three years. Wow. Good for you. And so we're working on that. Our work is not done there. Um, What I did is I took my own pain 
and decided to use what I could do within my control to do something about it. I mean, I was just like, you know, that that's that's one of the things that would drive me crazy. There are only certain things I can do within my control. So let me try and focus on the things I can do. And that was that was my therapy. Can I ask you, and this is, you're dealing with somebody, um, you know he's he's guilty. Do you get a certain amount of satisfaction when they say, you know what, sorry dude, you're going away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, I would too. I would, I would get a certain amount of, I don't know, as an attorney, are you supposed to? Well, you're walking away a bad person, and you're making it so that person doesn't hurt another child. Yeah. That would be a huge satisfactory thing. It, it was. Uh, yes, it was. But there are so many of them. And it didn't change the actions they did, though. Well, I mean, listen, like I said, by the time they came to me, they'd already been prosecuted, but they wanted a do-over of their case. And under Oregon law, you can ask mm-hmm. for it. It's called post-conviction relief. You can you can be convicted and sitting in a Department of Corrections prison right now and file for a post-conviction relief. A lawyer will be appointed to you, and that's when I get involved. Mm. And my job is, as I said, to they will allege that well, my I didn't my attorney didn't know what he was doing. I didn't understand what I was doing when I pled guilty. Right. And so you can't see the look I'm giving people in the radio (laughs) studio right now, but you can imagine my expression. So uh, over my dead body was basically my reaction. It's like, no, you are Mm -hmm. staying behind bars. That is my job. Good for you. And, yeah, that was Uh. what I did. So, yes, there is some satisfaction in that. But like I said, at the end of the day, um, when I came to CASA because as I we intervene, Early, mm-hmm. early, at the earliest possible opportunity, the judge, uh, the children are removed from a home where there's abuse or neglect going on. They're placed in foster care, and that's an opportunity for that child to heal and find a new stability, maybe even find a new home forever. Right. Depending Good. on the nature Good. of circumstances, the judge might say, you're never going back. Good. It just depends, right? right. It all depends. I can only imagine they probably are all very different. Yes, absolutely. So... Um, that's, you know, after a steady diet of that kind of work at DOJ, I wanted to come to CASA because now I can break that cycle. Yeah. With the, and I can't do it without our volunteers. They're the ones who are going to court. They're the ones, the judge will turn to the volunteer and say, well, what is CASA's position on this? And I've heard judges say that repeatedly just in the short amount of time since I came to CASA that the judges really want to hear from you, Bob. They want yeah. to hear from our they volunteers. Do. They they know that we're the only objective player involved here. We don't have an agenda. We're ju- we're a person who come in as a trained advocate to represent the child's interests. That's what our job is. Mm-hmm. All right, Casa of Marion County is presenting uh, Jimmy Wayne. I'm not familiar with who he is at the Elsmith Theater on April 20th at six o'clock. What's this all about? So, uh, Jimmy Wayne is an award-winning country music artist and a former foster care kid. Oh. Okay. Right. So, the title of the event is Light of Hope because he is a success story. Yeah. He has, he's a three-time best-selling author on the New York Times list. Uh, He has an incredible book called Walking a Beautiful, which I highly recommend. We have a book club going right now in our office that is all about this book. So Jimmy will give uh, basically a combination of song and spoken word uh, to really, you know, demonstrate that hope is possible after, after foster care. 
So we want to we want every child in foster care right now to know that their life can get better and will get better, and they can still go out and accomplish whatever they want to do. I don't want any kid in foster care to think that they can't run their own business because they're in foster care, that they can't go to college, that they can't be uh, that they can't be an elected official, that they can't be a success. I want those kids to believe in that. Jimmy believes in that, and that's why we worked really hard to get them to come to Salem. So it's Thursday, April 20th. Doors open 6 p.m. at the Elsinore Theater. And the great thing, too, tickets are 50 bucks, but 45 of those $50 goes right back to CASA. Now we're talking. Okay, Good stuff. Amazing. Yeah. We, I want to grow our mission here. I want to have, I want to take the Bob Bushes of the world. I want 10 more of him and 10 more of all the <laughs> well, other volunteers. Well, let's not get carried away here now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe six more. Yeah. No, we want 100 more. We <laughs> want there to be do. volunteers waiting on standby for cases to open instead of children waiting for a volunteer. That would be great. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. And I truly believe we can get there. I really do. I think there's enough people in the community that can volunteer. And like you said, 7 to 10 hours, it's, it's hardly anything. And so I think it's doable, you guys. And again, what's the website really quick? It's uh, casamarionor.org. You can also Google Casa of Marion County. Perfect. Okay. And uh, Jimmy Wayne will, of course, be at the Elsinore Theater on April the 20th. And that's going to be on a, uh, what is it, Thursday night at uh, 6 p.m. Tickets are just $50 per person, $75 per person for the VIP seating. Will he be available afterwards to, uh, to chat with folks in the lobby? I will talk to Jimmy about that. Uh, I We are still working on that program, but I definitely want him to be available. So I'll be sure to reach out to Jimmy Wayne and talk to him about that because okay. he's he's incredible. That's okay. a pretty awesome thing. to it, it's, it is. It's the light of it's hope. To see somebody so successful that went through the system, like there is hope at the end of the tunnel, and we will get there. Yeah. Last year, we had Stephanie Land, the author of the book Made in the Netflix series, Mm -hmm. and she did have a meet and greet afterwards where she was willing to talk to people. That's awesome. And that means means a lot for the folks, too, to be able to sit down and chat with them. Hey, we need to take a a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting warmed up here. Today's show is being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule, State Farm Insurance. More with the folks from CASA right after this. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in 5, 4, Q Terry, 2, 1, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We are back with our final few minutes. Today's guests have been Vanessa Nordyke from, she's the executive director from CASA, as well as Bob Bush. And what do, what do you do down there? What is your t- Do you have a title? CASA. Okay, I'm so. a volunteer CASA. Okay. Right. So you guys have your big fundraiser, which is Jimmy Wayne coming in. That's awesome that the tickets, that's 90% of the ticket sales go back to CASA for the children. That's amazing. How else do you guys get funded? Great question. So like a lot of CASAs around the state, we are a hodgepodge of private donors, state funds, federal funds, and grants. 
it makes us scramble because I say the way I describe it is we have an underfunded state mandate. Mm -hmm. There's state law that says that a judge shall appoint a court appointed special advocate to these cases. But every judge knows whether you're in Deschutes County, whether you're in Amalhir County or right here in Marion County, all the judges know we do not have enough court appointed special advocate volunteers to be appointed to every single case which puts us in the really tough position of having to pick and choose. And I always tell my staff, let's triage. You know, like in any good ER, you've got to triage your limited resources and make sure that the kids who are at greatest risk of harm are the ones we serve first. We meet 66% of the need need here in Marion County, meaning we have enough volunteers to cover 66% of children in care in Marion County. That number varies a lot around the state. And what we would really love to see, of course, is ongoing investment of state funds to help grow our mission. I mean, I could, if I wanted, I could spend every single day calling up potential donors. There is so much need. I could do that. I also have to run an office. I try to run my office like a business. We're looking for a return on investment. We're training volunteers. We're marketing for our Jimmy Wayne event on April 20th and our other events. This is a big job. We are asking the legislature this year for $6.4 million for all of the CASA programs in the state. That basically maintains our serve, uh, the essential work that we're at right now. And so, you know, tell your legislature that's my ask for your listeners. Tell your legislators you support CASA. Tell them that you would support uh, state funding uh, to CASA specifically. That is something that we will be doing and we will be going to the legislature. We'll be sure to post that information on our social media, but in April we'll be going to the legislature to lobby specifically for this. There are CASAs in, in every county is what you're saying. So yes. where's, where's Polk County's CASA? I would assume Dallas, but that is a wild guess on my part. Do you ever talk with the different CASAs around the country, around the state? Yes, actually, I have started doing that. And that, man, that has been great because since I'm brand new in this role, I want to learn best practices. I hate reinventing the wheel. I want to learn what works well in Polk County, Clackamas County, and so on, and take what they've learned and apply it as appropriate to right here in Marion County. Here in Marion County, about 33% of children in care are Latino or Latina. I would really love to get more Latino and Latina volunteers to help represent, to have that cultural background to help represent the makeup of kids in care here locally. We also need more folks to work with our indigenous children in care. We also know that black kids tend to be disproportionately placed in care compared to white kids, for example. I'm really looking to recruit a wide variety of volunteers to meet all of our needs. I wanted to ask this earlier, and I, I didn't get a chance to, to squeeze it in there, but have, have, you, have you ever dealt with children that have talked about suicide? I'm sure we have. Have you, Bob? One of my current kids has mentioned that. How old is that child? 16. Okay. So when, when they mention that to you, how do you react to that? Do you just kind I, of downplay I, it? I try and not be shocked. Okay. And then I try and convince them of reasons why it's better to stay, stay living. I mean, I actually use that old cliche, well, that's a permanent ending to a temporary situation. Right. That's huh. tough. Okay. I, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, like, I would, I want to be a volunteer really bad. I'm not sure if I'd be able to control my emotions. 
though, so I commend you. That would be very difficult hearing a child. It was a little shocking when she when suicide. she talked about it, and mm-hmm. I'm like, really? I have a 16 year old <laughs> son, so I could ever I could never imagine those thoughts going through his head or any other child's head. Um, thank you guys for what you do. Is bullying a big deal nowadays? It seems like bullying, everybody's being bullied now. Yep. Um, it is. It's a problem with... It's a big oh, problem. Yeah. And yeah. When, when somebody comes to you, let's just say that 16-year-old you're just talking about comes to you and says, you know what, I'm, I'm being bullied and stuff and I just I just don't want to continue. What do you do? What That's do you say? part of the reason that she gave. She's often, to the way she wears her hair and she wears baggy clothes, she's often mistaken for a boy. Okay. And she does not like that. Okay. And that is kind of what has made, she's talked about finding a tall bridge. It's hmm. heartbreaking. Truly. Um, these kids, they're our future. And it's its sad that they go through these hard, difficult times, these things that they didn't ask for um, that were just kind of pushed on them. And it looks like I pulled the number from your guys' website, and I know it might not be uh, current right now, but it said that there's more than 600 children in Marion County who are victims of abuse or neglect. That's just Marion County. That's just Marion County. 600 children. And I'm sure that number has gone up, um, especially with the pandemic and all of that. Uh, I don't even have words. <laughs> um, it's it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. These are our children. They're our future. They're literally our future. And they get abused and neglected. And most of the time, it's from another parent. At least someone they know. Or, yes, or someone they know. And that's tough. So, Vanessa, do you encourage these kids, if, if they are being neglected or abused, do you encourage them to speak up? Is there a hotline they can call? Yes, there is, actually. So, 988 is our national suicide hotline. 988. Yeah, 988, okay. right. You know 911? Right. We added 988 around the country. It went live in July, I believe, of last year. Right off the bat, there, that hotline was lighting up. Interestingly enough, Northwest Human Services, which is located here in Salem, they are just one of two locations statewide that responds to those 988 calls and texts. They receive pretty much, if you're in the Portland area, there's a Portland-based communication center that handles those 988 calls. But everywhere else in the state, those calls are being answered right here in Salem at Northwest Human Services. I have talked with a lot of community partners in the area, and there's no question that the pandemic heightened a lot of mental health concerns for children. We see a lot more violence in classrooms. We see a lot more children being taken to the emergency room for behaviors. This is a problem that every community provider here in town is working on, including CASA of Marion County. Like I said, we're here to be to be a beacon of hope for these kids. One of the things that we'll be doing, we'll be doing a car parade to support child abuse prevention and awareness in April. So we'll be circulating some more information about that in the weeks to come because we want to, you know, provide hope hope where we can. It's like I said, this work is heavy and it's really easy to get caught up in the damage that's done, but we got to move forward. Absolutely. Jimmy Wayne is going to be at the Elsinore Theater on April the 20th at six o'clock. And if you'd like for more information, can they call you guys directly? Yeah, absolutely. So you can, first of all, the website for Light of Hope is casamarionor.org slash light of hope dash light dash of dash hope but yeah you can always give us a call on our main line too if you want more information or if you just want to demonstrate your support you know not everyone is is cut out to be a volunteer i'll be the first to admit that but there are other ways that you can support Mm -hmm. our work 
And okay. our phone number is 503-967-6420. All right. Vanessa, Bob, thank you. Um, first of all, thank you for your work that you do. And uh, would My you guys pleasure. come back and chat with us again sometime? Love, sure. Love to have you back. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We are just about out of time for today's show. Remember, you can catch our show every Saturday at 10 a.m. and a replay Sundays at 6 p.m. right here on Salem's original radio station, KSLM. A reminder, if you missed any of today's show or would like to hear any of my shows, you can always hear a podcast on our official KSLM website at www.kslm.news or on my official website at www.terrysaul.com. If you would like to drop me a note, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is terry at kslm.news. We'll see you next time. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to The Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is brought to you by The Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Holmes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Good show. Bye, everybody.